Hello and welcome back to Talking Their Language with Helen Bodell. We've had an influx of new listeners recently and you can now find us on the Twinkle website as well as any of your usual streaming platforms. So welcome to all of our new listeners as well as our regulars. Today we've got a new guest for you. It's Yoshito Darmon Shamamari, founder of the Library for Multilinguals and the author of In Search of the Lost Words, a bilingual time travel adventure. Good afternoon, Yoshito. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners today and tell us a bit about your experience in the field of multilingualism? Yeah, first, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. Um, so I'm Yoshito Darmon Shimamori. I'm, I'm bilingual. I grew up bilingual, French and Japanese. Now I speak a few more languages. Uh, I live in London with my wife and my, our two sons that were raising with three languages and four cultures. So the three languages are French, Korean and uh, English. So English from the environment and French for me, Korean from my wife. And the four cultures, or uh, we, we are adding Japanese because I'm half French, half Japanese. I'm passing on just the French language, uh, but I still want them to feel Japanese as well. So I'm passing on more about the culture for Japanese. Uh, and yeah, and all, I'm also, uh, so you said I'm an author. I'm, I specialize for, um, sorry, I'm an author and I specialize for multilingual children, uh, which means that I write books to help multilingual children, especially for multilingual literacy. Um, because that's something that I had problems with growing up. It's more the literacy side and the impact of that. And I'm also a teacher. I teach French and Spanish, so as foreign languages in a secondary school in London. Uh, and I've been teaching for 12 years, I think now. Yeah, so that's me. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I cannot believe how many... Um, so what other languages do you speak? So French... Spanish, English. So I speak, yeah. So French, Spanish, English, Japanese, uh, Korean. I understand it, but I don't speak it very well. Okay. Uh, I understand it mainly, for example, because I hear my wife and sons talking together. Yeah. Uh, but when I, when we go to Korea, I understand, but to be understood, it's a bit more difficult. Difficult. Yeah. <laughs> I put words here and there together and hope that people are going to understand me yeah oh that's amazing Yoshito that's fantastic yeah. to be able to speak that many languages um <laughs> and what a you know amazing life your children are going to have with all that culture and all those languages <laughs> hopefully yeah they're going to see all the benefits like they can they can get into different countries and understand things and be able to at the moment it's more for them like the fact that they can watch cartoons in more than one language so they have more choices the same for books so yeah and and all the cultures it's through gifts they receive that are japanese korean and so for them it looks like it's really enriching uh, just by what they can access yeah definitely the huge benefits of being multilingual there and <clears throat> um, so you came on to write um, a book for sort of teenage um you know age group yeah um how did you come about writing that book and why why have you written it so there are loads of reasons uh but i think that the initial idea the initial reason why i wrote this book is because uh i wanted to create for my sons originally uh, something that would get them to write to motivate them to write in our home languages so french and korean uh that wouldn't need too much input from me so i wrote a previous book called the parents guide to raising multilateral children and here so i, I described different yeah. activities that 
so games uh, to do with our children that can teach them to read and write, but it also always had a bit of preparation. Uh, so the parent or the, the teacher would have to prepare a few things. So I'm thinking, what can I do that's a bit that demands less from the adults uh, that's already ready, but also that's adaptable to any language. So the benefit I saw with my first book is that loads of languages could access it, even the, the languages that have less variety of material. So they could really adapt it to their language. And I wanted to keep this adaptability to all the languages. Um, yeah, so that was another thing. And I also wanted to speak directly to the children so my first book was for the adults in the lives of the Montingo children to help them read and write. In my second book, I wanted to speak directly to the children yeah. and to talk more about the emotional side of growing up bilingual uh, and bicultural. Um, yeah, so these are all the reasons that led me to write this graphic novel. Yeah, fantastic. So it's like you say, it's building that resilience and that independence as well by speaking directly to those teenagers. Yeah, and yeah, the... the, the fact that I'm targeting teenagers it's mainly because when I grew up bilingual I was all fine in primary school so up to maybe the age of 14 I was all fine no issue at all I was all happy and probably I, because I didn't think too much about it as well but when we're teenagers we start thinking about who we are where we belong and all these questions made me start to question my own identity uh and and also the fact that I, I couldn't read really well uh, Japanese, so read and write Japanese, uh, made me question as well if I was allowed to call myself Japanese. Um, yeah, so... Okay, yeah. And that's due to loads of myths that are circulating around us. So I wanted to, to, talk, to talk about that in this book uh, to help children see that, okay, being bilingual doesn't mean you, you speak perfectly all your languages uh, you're going to speak better some languages than others or some on some topic you'd be more at ease talking about some subjects than others in a different language so yeah it's it's all these things uh, and for teenagers there isn't much done at the moment uh, so that's also another motivation for me to really write something for teenagers so in your book, do we follow a character that is going through this experience? Um, what is the story about? Yeah, so it's the story of Anna, who is 14 years old, and she grew up bilingual. Uh, and when she was little, so like me, she was all fine, playing with her cousins, etc. Uh, but little by little, uh, she started to speak less the language. And when we meet her at 14, she can barely speak her dad's language. Uh, anymore so she's a bit disconnected from her family uh, and we follow her through a, a time travel adventure that leads her to save her her great great grandma and the family land and so through this adventure she gets closer to her grandpa uh, and then she starts talking a bit more the language uh, and at the end so she's she doesn't speak very well but she's still enjoying um how to say going fishing with her grandpa um yeah so it's it's okay yeah. like to show the children that so the main i think the main message of my book is that we shouldn't focus on communication but connection 
the connection with people because that's what gives us that what that's what makes us want to speak the language and it's by speaking language that we can improve um yeah so don't worry about perfection so it gives you that cultural identity as well sorry sort of finding out who you are yeah exactly yeah yeah that's fantastic i think it's brilliant that those teenagers that read it you know will feel all those familiar um sort of feelings that you've gone through and sort of can resonate with that character which will be amazing and like you say there isn't a lot out there for teenagers and it's really important that we do focus on that time isn't it where you might not be getting as much support you know yeah. with your um you know bilingualism yeah. um so as educators um that might be listening how do you think we can support older eal learners um sort of in the classroom or at home from your experience so i think uh, i think it's more so i'm not a eal teacher but i i am an eal person myself uh, and also I, I work with languages by teaching languages but uh, I would say what I see that's the most important is to uh, make the language relevant to students so uh, it can, like relevant right now don't say not to say okay it's going to be very helpful in the future for this and that reason but focus on the here and now why is it relevant for them so I think for EAL students it's actually quite easy to see the benefits of it because they, they might be in a school where uh, there are loads of other students they would like to interact with and speaking the language is made relevant that way yeah. uh, but it's also in the classroom to make it more fun and not too academic so there are loads of things we can do that are uh, like for example writing uh, I think it's generally taught in a very academic way uh, where we have to write paragraph or translate etc but that can, if we put a twist on it, we can make it more interesting or more relevant. Like, why would I need to write, for example? Uh, and and yeah, so to try to make maybe gamifying it could be a good idea. Yeah. Uh, so when I teach in class, uh, so it's foreign languages, but I do team competitions, uh, loads of games, songs, uh, just to make <coughs> sorry, just to make it uh, more fun. Yeah. Uh, in the moment so when they're learning yeah definitely that's um so true I remember having sort of lower sets in English when I was teaching GCSE and we'd write on the tables and things with marker pen rather than you know like wipeable marker pens rather than writing big paragraphs in our books and I used to get so much writing from you know from the boys that I was teaching just from like you say changing it up a little bit and doing it in a different way that makes it a bit more competitive or yeah yeah a bit more interesting yeah so it's not a big change it's often just a, a small tweak that can make it relevant. Like, okay, I, I want to write about this and that. And yeah, and if they have the help provided as well, then there's nothing stopping them. Yeah, definitely. That's so true. Um, and what resources um, would you say could be used to support those older learners? Um, would you say maybe in your MFL classroom or, you know, for other educators that are teaching? So I think what resonates a lot with children so for example there are games in every lessons but i would say where they get really engaged is when there is something cultural when they get an insight into the other culture uh and for example for eal i've learned about a school that i, I want to visit but because i'm teaching at the same time it's a bit difficult uh but they teach adults and one thing that i really i'm really curious about is they teach uh, through cooking or activities that they call walk and talk. Uh, so, for example, 
they prepare a lesson, so there is vocabulary to learn, and they do different tenses, etc. So whatever we would do in class, but they in incorporate it in the in the cooking lesson or the walk and talk. So I'm thinking especially walk and talk. They they go for example out in a park or something, and by diff because of different things they would see. So that's all planned by the teacher. But they would need to to express themselves by using certain structures, and so it's all incorporating like that. But it's made relevant because they're outside; they get an ins they get to use the language uh, to communicate, not just to learn the language. And yeah, I think so. So in terms of resources, there is this, but also I would say one thing that. Um, so when you say older learners, it can be teenagers, but I guess also adults. Um, but so I think one thing that's very useful, especially with the listening skills, is to be able to read things at the same time. Uh, so whether it's watching a film in English, subtitled in English, um, or there, there are different. Um, how do you say? Oh, there is an app called Link. So it's called uh, it's L I N G. And a cue. Okay. Um, and so you can hear lots of podcasts or lots of audio material, but you can get the transcript as well. So you can follow at the same time. It makes it easier to hear. Um, and, and hopefully my uh, book as well is going to. Oh, be... definitely. I've um, never heard of that app. So you'll have to. Yeah. If you give me the link afterwards, I'll put it in the um, the link of the podcast because that'd be really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's very popular in the. Like, Polyglots, um, I'd say, uh, not area. Amongst polyglots, is very popular. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. And like you say as well, watching films with the subtitles is another um, good way to get the vocabulary where you're reading it and you're listening at the same time. And then you'll have to do an audio book, yeah. Shito, so then you can listen to your audio whilst you're reading your book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then have you got any other top tips for educators listening that maybe bringing up bilingual children or that are teaching bilingual children in the classroom? How old are your children now? So how old are your sons? Are my own children are seven and nine. Okay. Yeah. And so what I would say is to, to think about not just providing the English uh, input, so English language and culture, but also to to get the students' culture and language as well in the classroom. Um, so, for example, my book is originally made for uh, children who grew up with two languages, but uh, it had it got interest from EAR teachers because it has this aspect of bringing their own culture in. So, the way my book is organized is that there is uh, the story. So, the, the the main character speaks really well English. Uh, she doesn't understand very well her home language, but the home language is never mentioned. So it's okay. personalizable to any any language. Yeah. And so in the book, there are speech bubbles with a few key words that the the character can pick up. And with the situation, the the reader and the main character need to work out what people are saying. So they, they would be writing in the book in that way. Uh, and that... Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and so this... Uh, brings the, the home language of the student into the classroom. And when you have a classroom with 10, 15 different languages and uh, home languages and cultures, it can be really interesting in terms of 
uh, um, comparing what's happening in one language or another, one culture or another, uh, because uh, yeah, there are also uh, parts of illustrations that are all the, the cultural aspects or to be completed. So, for example, if you have a fruit bowl, uh, you won't see the fruits inside. It will be uh, like erased. And uh, the reader will need to complete it with fruits at all that they find in their own country or when they go to their grandparents, etc. So, all these comparisons between cultures uh, can be very interesting. There is a fun thing as well about onomatopoeia. So, the sounds we hear, uh, because these are... Like different in every language, and but it's a nice way yeah. to start thinking about linguistic and cultural differences. And so, with all of that, so if you have a classroom with loads of different cultures and languages, it first it brings their cultures and languages in the classroom, so they feel a bit more valued. Uh, so it's not just that English is important, but their own culture and languages, what they came with is important as well and then can share it with the classroom yeah that sounds fantastic i mean it's so good to even um initiate those conversations and bring those opportunities into the classroom isn't it to share those home languages and i think sometimes educators do struggle um to find those opportunities so if that's you know a vehicle to be able to bring those conversations in that's a really good place to start isn't it yeah yeah definitely and so you as you say you can bring in any home language and each person can sort of take this book as their own almost and make their own story yeah. really with their own experiences yes yeah. exactly yeah oh that's fantastic and what um other resources you said you've created some resources alongside the book as well what do they look like so for so for this book uh one thing that's uh very popular is uh a guide for children so t- pre-teens and teens uh, that's called How to Turn Your Multilingual Ability into a Superpower. So my book and all the resources around, it's really made for children to understand that, uh, okay, being bilingual, we often think it's it's just normal. That's how I was born. Or if uh, children come to a country, they have to learn the language. So it's a, like, that's the way it is. They don't have any choice, uh, but they don't necessarily see that they are developing skills unknowingly. Um, so it's making them aware that they're uh, developing these skills and then from there how to take it to the superpower level uh, so they, that they feel really empowered by learning these languages and knowing these languages and cultures. So there is this guide uh, I do for schools. I do school visits as well where I talk about this as well. Uh, and it's all about multilingualism and discovering what multilingualism is in a fun way. So, for example, I have three lessons with lesson plans, PowerPoint and printable resources uh, to talk about this. So, for example, there is a treasure hunt, uh, a game show and something more that's introspective where they can reflect on what it means for them to be uh, multilingual. And there is also a multilingual diary. So for for the moment, it's only going to be available in six languages. Uh, so it could be the school language, but it could be the home language as well. My aim is to translate it in as many languages as possible. Yeah. But it's uh, a diary that gives a small prompt uh, for children to write about. It's to write about their own experience. So it could be a statistic or research uh, results from research, or it could be a quote that someone said. 
or it could be also experiences from other children around the world who are growing up with different languages, uh, and but they won't necessarily use the languages in the same way as these children are going to be using them. So it's helping them reflect on what it can mean yeah. to be multilingual uh, like in different circumstances. Oh, yeah, definitely. It gives them the opportunity to reflect and to to write down their own ideas. It's almost like a journal or a diary they can keep and sort of add to as, as they grow yeah. up. Yeah, and also, I guess, if they, they complete it when they were 12, but when they're 16 and they read back on it, they're going probably to think, oh, wow, I have changed so much, or this is exactly the same. And, yeah, so it's a way for them to keep a souvenir of what they, how their life is as a morning one. Yeah, those feelings, and that's, that's brilliant. Um, and how would you say we could support advanced older learners? Um, I know sometimes we speak a lot about the new to English um, children, but how about the advanced older learners that might have been, yeah. you know, in the English classroom for a lot longer? How could we support those, do you think? Languages are really just a tool or tools. Uh, to access lots of different things. So once the, the learner is more comfortable with the language, confident, uh, they can start exploring lots of different things. So it could be maybe uh, like, uh, having friends who sp- to speak to in that language. Uh, so if it's a school, I would say to organize different outings to, it could be different things like a museum or whatever. But because everything is in English anyway outside, it's just to structure it in a way that they can take more than just if they were visiting on their own uh, the place. Or it could be a, a, a play, a theatre play, a musical, uh, anything like that. But making the remembering that we need to show what it can bring them, so bringing that to them, and then they will want to improve on the language even more. Yeah, definitely. And those pre-teaching activities, maybe vocabulary, and then a visit where they improve that vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, and use it sort of in real time. One thing as well, like it's the same for me as a foreign language teacher, but sometimes we forget what it means to learn a language. And when we start being able to, to speak to, to someone quite naturally, we don't realize that they are at that level, they're speaking at that level, but they maybe we are expecting them to be understanding that level, so to bridge the gap between the two. Um yeah, so, so but and again, by giving them things that are relevant in their lives. So, for example, the, the EAR school that I talked about before. Uh, so anything like cooking or going outside in, in, the, in the area, uh, there could be lots of things that are relevant to them and they want to express themselves to deal with certain situations or to talk about certain things with other friends they are going to meet after. Uh, so just making the most relevant possible. Yeah, definitely. Giving them all those opportunities to build that language. And like you say, sometimes we expect a lot of of these children, but they are speaking multi multi-languages yeah. um, and at different different abilities of speech, you know, reading and writing, it's all variant levels, isn't yeah. it? And it's having that understanding. One thing that, that just, yeah, it's really to, like I said, so in my, my book is really about putting connection before communication uh so not to be too how to say too um correcting too much or being too picky on yeah. mistakes but more valuing what it brings them to be able to express themselves in that way and if they want to go 
they, they, they can see from themselves that they need to be more accurate to communicate ideas more uh, properly, uh, they're going to be willing to do that. So then we are here to help them improve. So instead of giving the, 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 the task first or the lesson first for them to discover the outcome, showing the outcome for them to, to want to go to, to improve, to get to that yeah. outcome. So wanting to get to that next level and helping them along the way rather than being sort of like judgmental and critical. Definitely. Um, you've got to create that, that environment, yeah. haven't you, where everyone's welcome to bring their home languages and bring in any other experiences they've got to the classroom, definitely. Um, and your book, Yoshito, um, how can people get hold of it and when will it be out? So at the moment, so it's in production. It's going to be out in... Uh, so available on Amazon, etc. On, on, in September. Uh, so all the people who backed my campaign, they're going to get it a bit earlier, so end of uh, August. Then I'm going to put it on Amazon. Uh, and I'm going to make it available in all... Um, all market how say Amazon marketplaces so in different countries and one thing to maybe I, I need to specify is that there are going to be six versions to start with so it's a book to be read in the school or the the country's language and to complete with the home language uh, so they're going to be one in English for any English speaking country French uh, Italian German Dutch and Japanese to start with. Oh, fantastic. So people will be ready to get it for September for the new academic year, which will be really good timing. Yeah. And I'm going to probably put something on my website to to make it uh, available as pre-order uh, if people are interested. And yeah, oh, definitely. Do you want to read out that email? Do you want to read out that website address, Yoshito? And then I will also put it in the link of the podcast. Yeah. So my website is uh, www dot library for Montilingons. So library number four, Montilingons with the S at the end, dot com. Fantastic. Thank you. And I will share that link um, in the podcast sort of uh, description so that anybody that is interested, you can easily find it on there. And there's lots of different bits on your website as well, aren't there? Like different um, resources and other things yeah. to read as well, which is really good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Thank you so much, Yoshito, for coming on today. I'm really, really excited to um, have a read of your book when it comes out in September. I think it'll be really, really useful for those teenagers that, like you say, have got a, a gap there yeah. for them to um, get that. They get those diaries and get those ideas and put it somewhere where they can reflect on it in the future. Yeah, hopefully it's going to be helpful to many children. <laughs> And thank you very much again for having me on your podcast. Oh, no, that's amazing. And um, I look forward to working with you again with Yoshito in the future. That'd be brilliant. That would be great, yeah. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Helen Bodell from Twinkle EAL. We have over 900,000 resources and you can find all of our EAL resources at www.twinkle.co.uk. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Pinterest by searching Twinkle EAL. Why not subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music and RedCircle.com. You could also leave us a review. If you have any questions you'd like answering on our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch on our social channels.